So there's always that one station that is, you know, what we lovingly call the dog of the group, the runt of the litter. It's a station that changes format every two years. Mm -hmm. Just imagine that at least one owner in each market took that dog FM and actually did something with it and do something that nobody else is doing. Welcome to Brandwith On Demand, your guide to rebooting radio. When was the last time a format was really invented in radio? And, and to a great degree, I mean, I'm in and out of a lot of meetings. I don't even hear that challenge. It's almost like we've given up on the idea of innovation from a format standpoint. And it's sad and it is a lost opportunity. Brandwith On Demand, rebooting radio with a different take on all radio can be. Now your guides through the media morphosis, David Martin, and author of the book Brandwith, Media Branding Coach, Kipper McGee. If you're serious about audio, about radio, about media being your career, well, chances are you're very familiar with the name Fred Jacobs. As only he could, Fred plugged his love of rock music together with audience research and then joined ABC Radio, where he became research director for the ONO FM stations, eventually programming WRIF in Detroit, a legendary ABC station. Next stop, hanging out his own shingle, Jacobs Media in the 80s. With the arrival of digital media in the 90s, he was right there pivoting toward new media, starting with nationwide tech surveys that helped identify changing audience taste. Or his blog, by the way, which we link to in the show notes, has become a must-read for anybody serious about keeping up with what's going on in media. Brandon On Demand is proud to welcome back Radio Hall of Famer and one of our favorite guys, Fred Jacobs. Hey, hey, hey guys. Thank you for having me back. I don't know how many times you've interviewed me, but uh, it's always great talking with you. You guys ask great questions. How you been? So far, so good. good. How about you? No complaints. You know, I think one of the kind of outgrowths of COVID is that hopefully you realize how good you really have it. Right. (laughs) And things are cool. And Jacob's Media and Jake Apps are still kicking right along, uh, just kind of rolling with the changes, right? Absolutely. Well, certainly, Fred, you've been doing a lot to keep radio and the media brands updated and relevant. Although... You certainly seem to be finding some major evolution happening kind of in real time through your various studies and what you're doing. And particularly with consumers as well as the producers, the on-air talent types, what are some of the key things that you're kind of seeing right now? And most importantly, what can people be doing to stay at the front of the line rather than fall to the back? So like so many things with covid If there was a trend bubbling under in 2019, in many ways, I think COVID amplified those kinds of trends. And certainly in the radio business, streaming was a thing and podcasting was coming on and smart speakers were becoming bigger with each passing year. But I think the coming of COVID really just amped up all of that stuff and the disruption that the radio industry had to deal with, uh, particularly with people being at home and not commuting, has been truly, uh, as cliche as it sounds, game-changing. And I think that one of the outgrowths of COVID and people being dislocated and their habits beginning to fragment as a result of that is how many people realize on the home front 
they did not have a working AM FM radio, or if they did, it was located in an inconvenient place, right? Like the bedroom, or it was out in the garage workshop. And so I think for brands and companies and stations that were along the way in building great digital assets and marketing those to the audience, I think they came out of this thing assuming that we're coming out of it in much better shape than stations that really were fighting and screaming and trying not to invest in all of those areas. And we know who they are. So I do think that is a big piece of it, that the the whole digital movement that has been coming for the last 20 years really shot up to Mach 2, Mach 3, and it's not going backwards. You know, the other thing that I would throw in there that is related is the older end of the audience, I think, did a pretty good job of playing catch up as far as technology went, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if, if, if you're over 50 years old and maybe you were a bit tech phobic going into COVID, uh, you had to figure out how to use FaceTime on your phone and how to do yep. Zoom calls and how to master Alexa and how to actually listen on the stream and connect a Bluetooth speaker And our data indicates that boomers in particular really grew by leaps and bounds during COVID in in that regard. Even when it comes to e-commerce, shopping online, which, Mm -hmm. of course, exploded during all of this. And it's not like it's going to go backwards when the malls open, you know. Once people understand and take advantage of the convenience of technology in whatever shape or form it takes, they're not going to just go back to the old ways of doing things. So I think we really turned a major corner, at least a lot of us did. And and for those who didn't turn the corner, they'd better hurry because it's not going to be Radio 2000 anymore. Uh, it's a whole different world. Well, turning this corner into this newest of the new normals, I mean, what should station folks be really focused on right now in this new new? Well, I think part of it is understanding their unique assets and their unique elements. The fact that radio is convenient and that it's free. I mean, you never hear those benefits in positioning statements. We would much rather talk about the 90s and now or commercial-free hours or whatever. But the fact that radio is free while we are paying, in some cases, not so gladly for all this content, whether it's video streaming or audio streaming, there are some true benefits as to why people actually love listening to the radio that we don't do, in general, a very good job of underscoring. But I, I think the real thing now is the importance of personality in the overall radio mix. I mean, mm-hmm. if if you're a brand that is dependent on the music you play, I think the clock is ticking because ultimately music has become commoditized in so many different ways. And the radio experience, frankly, uh, when it comes to music, is not particularly great uh, in terms of how many commercials we play and all those things. So I think... Uh, Again, the personality piece is so critical. And yet, on the other hand, guys, I mean, when when you look at the furloughs and the reductions in force and whatever you want to call them, terminations, I guess, is probably the best way to put it. So often it is personalities heading for the exits. 
And I think to a great degree, that's a contradiction and maybe not always in the best interest of companies. And I, I think we're coming around as an industry, perhaps, to coming to grips with that. Yeah. And I noticed, too, in, in your thoughts from Morning Show Bootcamp, that one of the things that seemed to excite you or at least enthuse you was some of the new and upcoming talents there. So could you share a couple of standouts and particularly what they're doing that makes you feel that that's potential? Well, the guy that I'm really excited about is Greg Beharrell. I, I wish I could buy stock in Greg. <laughs> um, okay. I mean, he is quirky. He's sneaky, funny. He does great phones. I know that sounds cliche, but he's clever in a very unique way. But I, I think the thing about Greg that makes him even more unique is that his show is really designed to be a seven to midnight show. And when you think about what has become of that day part over the past decade or so, where essentially most radio broadcasters have kind of given it up and right. just said, well, you know what, it's not important. We're going to voice track there or even worse, just segue songs with production in between and call it good because there's not enough meters or diaries or whatever, seven to midnight. And I think what they've been forgetting all of these years, and I learned it early on, I did work with WNIC when I first got going and they had Harper and Gannon in the morning, a big, big AC morning show. But the key was they had Alan Allman and Pillow Talk at night. Right. You know? And it was an immensely popular show. Mm -hmm. And what ended up happening is that you would go to bed with Alan and you turn the radio off or it would go off right in the sleep mode. And then when the alarm would come on in the morning, it would be playing Harper and Gannon. It was brilliant. And yet that's not the way most radio stations approach it today. So not only is Beharrell a talented guy, but the show is directed to a day part that is just so unmined and and really, I think, has the potential uh, to do well. So I love Greg a lot. Uh, another personality that was showcased there is a woman named Jan Delane. She is part of the afternoon drive show with Steve Seaver at The Drive in Chicago. And what's really cool about Janda is that she realized when she got to the station, I think probably a couple of years ago, that in order to work at the drive, you can't just do the that was this is thing. You really need to bring stories to the music and all of those things. And Janda started a podcast that is just incredible. It is the story behind a given song each week. And it's really well done. And so I've watched her go from being an unknown on the radio station to being right up there with the drives, heritage personalities in terms of uh, the way the audience respects them for being knowledgeable and all of that. So just a couple of examples. But, you know, the thing about boot camp that is so interesting is that, you know, at a time when there are a lot of frowny faces when it comes to radio out there, you go to boot camp and you don't feel it at all. The crowd is younger. They are excited, they love radio, and they really embrace the community that they're a part of. I mean, in, mm -hmm. in some ways, maybe it's a bit of a bunker mentality, right? It's us against the industry or us against the bosses, but whatever it is, they love to learn from each other. 
They love to hang out with each other and nothing gets held back. I mean, it's it's a very emotional, creative group of people. And I just love being around them. This has become one of my favorite conferences that happen every year. I agree. It's a must attend type of event. It is. Fred, there's a lot of chat on and off about live and local, live and local. And what do you see as the role of local content on radio today? And most importantly, where do you see traditional broadcast stations missing the mark? Oh, boy, that's a big question. Well, thanks for not making me comment on the live part. So let's <laughs> let's just see if we can tackle the local. I do believe, and I'm going to sound very old school here, but I think local still works when it's done right. And oddly, I think the smaller the community, in some ways, the easier it is to be that local radio station. And part of that is just there's less ground to cover in a smaller city or a smaller town. But I think the other part is that chances are pretty good you are competing against radio stations that are pretty corporate in nature and are certainly uh, shipping content in from outside of the market. So it's a lot different than it used to be. I mean, you guys remember when even in markets like Omaha or Fresno or Orlando, there would be a dozen radio stations fighting it out for the local hill. It really mattered and everybody went after it. Well, today there, there just isn't all that much competition for it. And yet people care about where they live. Newspapers are going away or certainly becoming very top down in terms of their content. Local television is changing in a big way. So I think there's a great opportunity for one or two radio stations in every market to own that hill mm -hmm. and really reflect the ethos of, of that particular community. So everybody is trying to do more with less, though. So how would you prioritize a typical OM who is trying today to program three, maybe four stations, perhaps not all in the same market, tracking a couple of daily shows, maybe even trying to do one live, trying to wrangle social media and manage the air staff, some of whom might not even be in the same building or even the same market. So I guess the question really is, Fred, who's on first? So that whole scenario that you laid out there, I think is sort of at the crux of it. One of the questions that we asked in our new survey of air talent is how many hats do you wear, right? So we find out that the average personality wears three hats, which means some of them are wearing five hats and some of them are only wearing one hat. But still, three hats is a lot of hats to wear, whether you're in a big market or a small market or working for a big company or a mom and pop. And I think to a great degree, you answered your own question. I don't think it's possible to be that operations manager in charge of five radio stations and do a particularly good job in any of those areas. It's not possible. There's not enough hours in the day. There's not enough bandwidth. It really can't be done, at least in terms of great execution. But what I would respond with is that when you look at who is on top of the heap in almost every market of the country, it is a station that either has the resources 
or has found a way to be able to do all those things. I mean, just because there's not enough people in the radio station doesn't mean that the strategy is faulty. It just means that broadcasters are not devoting enough resources, human and financial, to getting the job done. But you look at a station like KISW in Seattle and WWL in New Orleans. And I mean, again, KISS 108 in Boston. I mean, all of those radio stations, in spite of everything, are still doing the fundamental things very well. And there's a reason why they are on top. So again, it's not a matter of prioritizing. I think that operations manager just has to keep their radio stations on the air as best as they possibly can and really hope that the brands will be able to sustain and that the salespeople will be able to support them. But it's a tough position to be in. I don't envy anybody that task of wearing all of those hats and really trying to come out of it with a half a dozen really good sounding radio stations. I don't think it's possible. Yeah. That's a Gordian knot. Sad but true, isn't it? I mean, Mm -hmm. you can't even prioritize in that kind of thing. I mean, all you can really do is crank out the logs and keep the stations on the air and keep up with the sales department. And COVID has obviously complicated a lot of that conversation as well, fellas, as you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. I mean, depending on whether you're in the station or working remotely or part of the staff is working remotely. I mean, as good as the technology has been, It doesn't replace being in a building and all that. And I know there's a lot of people who have enjoyed working from home or do not want to come back into the radio station. And I respect that. But I think ultimately the chemistry that makes a radio station special, that really makes it a unique brand, comes from everybody spending an inordinate amount of time together around the water cooler or the kitchenette or the cubicles or whatever it may be. Well said, friend. Yeah. If you win in the hallways, you can win on the streets. Oh, yeah. Kipper, one of the smart guys in class. That is Fred Jacobs. Is there a topic that you'd like us to explore on Brand With On Demand, a guest you'd like to hear from? Well, we'd love to hear your suggestion. Email us, show at brandwithondemand.com. Our goal is to help keep you up to date on all the important things happening and all kinds of ways to keep your career future-proof. Yeah, just figuring out how to keep radio vibrant and relevant. We're focusing where radio brands meet online bandwidth. We call it Brandwidth. Coming up, Fred Jacobs shares some opportunities that many, including us, may find hiding in plain sight. Hi, I'm Jeff McCarthy, Vice President of Programming for Duke Wright's Midwest Communications. I'm Tony Larino from Throwback Nation Radio. Hi, this is Dave Tyler from Music Master with even more raving fans. Hey, I'm Bailey, Program Director for KOSP and Midwest Family Broadcasting in Springfield, Missouri. Hi, my name is Jonathan Schaefer. I'm the Program Director at The Legend, 650 AM WSM. Ready to join these raving fans? I'm so thankful for Music Master and the team for helping us grow our station into what it is today. Never stop learning. Music Master's educational webinars have helped us to become excellent music schedulers. Visit musicmaster.com today. I cannot thank the Music Master team enough. Okay, so before you know it, the holiday season is going to be here. And the one thing your listeners should be giving as stocking stuffers is station merch. The problem? You don't have any budget. Here's a solution. Visit radioswagshop.com forward slash kipper 
You provide the design. They will handle manufacturing, fulfillment, and send you a check after the sale. No minimum required. Just check it out. RadioSwagShop.com forward slash Kipper. Opportunities hidden in plain sight. Brand with On Demand. We are with Home of Famer, Fred Jacobs. Fred, one question for you. What are the opportunities that you find that may in fact be hiding in plain sight? I think the biggest opportunity, David, is when you own five FM radio stations in a market, you never have all five of them going well at the same time. It's, it's virtually impossible. So there's always that one station that is, you know, what we lovingly call the dog of the group, the runt of the litter, whatever it may be. And it's a station that changes format every two years. Mm -hmm. It's the one that sucks a lot of money out of the budget uh, and actually ends up hurting the uh, the big uh, station in the cluster because it, it really does vacuum a lot of resources. And so I, I think the opportunity is, I mean, just imagine that in most markets in the country, at least one owner in each market took that dog FM and actually did something with it. And my recommendation would be do something that nobody else is doing. Don't buy Nielsen or, or whatever rating service happens to be in the market. Just do something that is totally different, totally unique, and prove to the advertising community and frankly, to uh, the radio community as well, that we still have the ability to create formats and serve underserved audiences and to do it in a very creative way. Yeah. When, was, when was the last time a format was really invented in radio? And, and to a great degree, I mean, I'm in and out of a lot of meetings. I don't even hear that challenge being levied at programmers and ops people and consultants. I mean, right. it's, it, it's almost like we've given up on the idea of innovation from a format standpoint. And it's sad and it is a lost opportunity. So, you but know, what every, a great opportunity, Fred. I don't mean, you think? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. As opposed to creating the third country station in the market. Right. Or the second classic rock station in the market. I mean, no one needs that. So that to me is the missing opportunity. And yet, guys, it's been there all along. You know, mm -hmm. it's not like this is a new idea at all. It's just that we continue to kind of move to the wheel of formats every time there, there's an opportunity to do something. And all we end up doing is the same old thing. And we sign them on in the same way. 10,000 songs, commercial free. Yep. And uh, we'll hire the air staff uh, as soon as we can, if indeed we even do that. And it's not a surprise that all these new startups, A, don't do particularly well for the mm -hmm. most part. And B, yep. the audience is totally ambivalent about why should they be excited about yet another radio station that sounds like something they've heard before. So let's put something on the air they haven't heard before. Yeah, amen. I remember a conversation I had with Drake when I said, you know, what What really was the inspiration, uh, Bill? He goes, you know, Dave, we invented a radio station for listeners. Yeah. Yeah, what a concept. <laughs> a great line. It's a great line. That's exactly what it is. And we do not do a great job of listening to listeners. I mean, we, we do a lot of research. 
But I can tell you as a research guy, uh, the quantitative stuff, we're asking the questions that we want answered. Yeah. It, it's not like those studies are structured to find out how listeners are doing and what they need and what they're not getting and how they're being underserved. All we're asking is the same old questions we always ask about who owns this kind of music and who owns this perception and how would you rate this personality? I mean, it, it's all very much within the white lines. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's why radio stations sound so similar and to a great degree so bland. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whose direct is less objectionable to you? <laughs> yeah, that's a good uh, good way of putting it. You know, we can all learn something from Fred Jacobs. He's terrific. Thank you, Fred. You'll find links to his complete bio, blog, and videos of some great presentations. They're all in the show notes. Just scroll down on your phone. Our thanks to executive producer Cindy Huber and our brand new associate producer Hannah B. Thank you. And coming up next. Hey, we're Gene and Julie of the Gene and Julie Show. Next time coming up on Brandwidth On Demand. We're going to talk about how radio sometimes throws you a curveball. What's important is learning how to hit them. That's coming up on the next edition of Brandwidth On Demand. That's a wrap, Gipper. Well, since we've been talking to Fred Jacobs, we'll be talking classic. In the show notes at Brand With On Demand, you'll find One Minute Martinizing. I'm Dave Martin. And I'm Kipper McGee. May all your brand width be wide. <laughs>